Section 0 of Examining the U.S. Capitol Attack, a review of the security, planning, and response failures on January 6th. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Examining the U.S. Capitol Attack by U.S. Senate. Executive Summary. On January 6, 2021, the world witnessed a violent and unprecedented attack on the U.S. Capitol, the Vice President, members of Congress, and the democratic process. Rioters, attempting to disrupt the joint session of Congress, broke into the Capitol building, vandalized and stole property, and ransacked offices. They attacked members of law enforcement and threatened the safety and lives of our nation's elected leaders. Tragically, seven individuals, including three law enforcement officers, ultimately lost their lives. Rioters were intent on disrupting the joint session, during which members of Congress were scheduled to perform their constitutional obligation to count the electoral votes for President and Vice President of the United States and announce the official results of the 2020 election. Due to the heroism of United States Capitol Police, or USCP officers, along with their federal, state, and local law enforcement partners, the rioters failed to prevent Congress from fulfilling its constitutional duty. In the early hours of January 7, the President of the Senate, Vice President Pence, announced Joseph Biden and Kamala Harris as the President-elect and Vice President-elect of the United States. This report addresses the security, planning, and response failures of the entities directly responsible for capital security, USCP and the Capitol Police Board, which is comprised of the House and Senate Sergeants-at-Arms and the Architect of the Capitol as voting members, and the United States Capitol Police Chief as a non-voting member, along with critical breakdowns involving several federal agencies particularly the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI, Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, and Department of Defense, or DOD. The committees also made a series of recommendations for the Capitol Police Board, U.S. Capitol Police, Federal Intelligence Agencies, Department of Defense, and other Capitol Region law enforcement agencies to address the intelligence and security failures. The committee's investigation uncovered a number of intelligence and security failures leading up to and on January 6 that allowed for the breach of the Capitol. These breakdowns ranged from federal intelligence agencies failing to warn of a potential for violence to a lack of planning and preparation by the U.S. Capitol Police and law enforcement leadership. The federal intelligence community, led by FBI and DHS, did not issue a threat assessment warning of potential violence targeting the Capitol on January 6. Law enforcement entities, including the U.S. Capitol Police, largely rely on the FBI and DHS to assess and communicate homeland security threats. Throughout 2020, the FBI and DHS disseminated written documents detailing the potential for increased violent extremist activity at lawful protests 
and targeting of law enforcement and government facilities and personnel. Despite online calls for violence at the Capitol, neither the FBI nor DHS issued a threat assessment or intelligence bulletin warning law enforcement entities in the National Capital Region of the potential for violence. FBI and DHS officials stressed the difficulty in discerning constitutionally protected free speech versus actionable, credible threats of violence. In testimony before the committees, officials from both the FBI and DHS acknowledged that the intelligence community needs to improve its handling and dissemination of threat information from social media and online message boards. USCP's intelligence components failed to convey the full scope of threat information they possessed. Although the U.S. Capitol Police mainly relies on the FBI and DHS for intelligence and threat information, USCP has three components responsible for intelligence-related activities. These components and the materials they produce are supposed to inform USCP's security and operational planning. This, however, was not the case for January 6. USCP's lead intelligence component, the Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division, or IICD, was aware of the potential for violence in the days and weeks ahead of January 6. It received information from a variety of sources about threats of violence focused on the joint session and the Capitol complex, and the large crowds expected to gather in Washington, D.C. on January 6. Yet IICD failed to fully incorporate this information into all of its internal assessments about January 6 and the joint session. As a result, critical information regarding threats of violence was not shared with USCP's own officers and other law enforcement partners. USCP's preparations for the joint session also suffered because of the decentralized nature of its intelligence components. On January 5th, an employee in a separate USCP intelligence-related component received information from the FBI's Norfolk field office regarding online discussions of violence directed at Congress, including that protesters were coming to Congress, quote, prepared for war, unquote. This report, similar to other information received by IICD, was never distributed to IICD or USCP leadership before January 6. USCP was not adequately prepared to prevent or respond to the January 6 security threats, which contributed to the breach of the Capitol. Stephen Sund, the USCP chief on January 6, and Yogananda Pittman, who was designated as acting chief after Stephen Sund announced his resignation on January 7th, both attributed the breach of the Capitol to intelligence failures across the federal government. USCP leadership, however, also failed to prepare a department-wide operational plan for the joint session. Similarly, USCP leadership did not develop a comprehensive staffing plan for the joint session, detailing, among other things, where officers would be located. 
USCP could not provide the committees any documents showing where officers were located at the start of the attack and how that changed throughout the attack. USCP leadership also failed to provide frontline officers with effective protective equipment or training. Although USCP activated seven Specialty Civil Disturbance Unit, or CDU, platoons in advance of the joint session, only four of those platoons were outfitted with special protective equipment, including helmets, hardened plastic armor, and shields. The many other USCP officers who fought to defend the Capitol were left to do so in their daily uniforms. Many of those frontline officers had not received training in basic civil disturbance tactics since their initial recruit officer class training. While some CDU officers were issued special protective equipment, the platoons were not authorized to wear the equipment at the beginning of their shifts. Instead, USCP staged equipment on buses near the Capitol. In at least one instance, when the platoon attempted to retrieve the equipment, the bus was locked, leaving the platoon without access to this critical equipment. USCP also failed to provide equipment training to support the CDU platoons and did not authorize CDU platoons to use all available less-than-lethal munitions, which could have enhanced officers' ability to push back the rioters. These operational failures were exacerbated by leadership's failure to clearly communicate during the attack. USCP leadership gathered in a command center blocks away from the Capitol building. Two incident commanders, identified as responsible for relaying information to frontline officers, were forced to engage with rioters during the attack making it difficult for them to relay information. As a result, communications were chaotic, sporadic, and, according to many frontline officers, non-existent. Opaque processes and a lack of emergency authority delayed requests for National Guard assistance. The USCP chief has no unilateral authority to request assistance from the National Guard. The USCP chief must submit a request for assistance to the Capitol Police Board for approval. Stevensund never submitted a formal request to the Capitol Police Board for National Guard support in advance of January 6. Instead, Stevensund had informal conversations with the House Sergeant-at-Arms, Paul Irving, and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, Michael Stenger, regarding the potential need for National Guard support. No one ever discussed the possibility of National Guard support with the architect of the Capitol, the third voting member of the Capitol Police Board. The members of the Capitol Police Board who were in charge on January 6th did not appear to be fully familiar with the statutory and regulatory requirements for requesting National Guard support which contributed to the delay in deploying the National Guard to the Capitol. In their testimony before the committees, Paul Irving and Stephen Sund offered different accounts 
of when Stevenson first requested National Guard assistance during the attack. Phone records reveal a number of conversations between Stevenson and Paul Irving on January 6. However, because there is no transcription of the conversations, there is no way for the committees to determine when the request was made. National Guard assistance was delayed while Stevenson attempted to contact the Capitol Police Board members and obtain the required approvals. Regardless of what time the request was made, the need to await Capitol Police Board approval during an emergency hindered the ability to request District of Columbia National Guard, or DCNG, assistance quickly. The intelligence failures, coupled with the Capitol Police Board's failure to request National Guard assistance prior to January 6, meant that the D.C. National Guard was not activated, staged, and prepared to quickly respond to an attack on the Capitol. As the attack unfolded, DOD required time to approve the request and gather, equip, and instruct its personnel on the mission, which resulted in additional delays. Prior to January 6, U.S. Capitol Police informed DOD officials on two separate occasions that it was not seeking D.C. National Guard assistance for the joint session of Congress. The D.C. government, by contrast, did request unarmed troops for traffic support, and on January 6, 154 unarmed D.C. National Guard personnel were staged at traffic control points throughout the city. As the attack unfolded, USCP and the Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia, or MPD, both pleaded with DOD officials for immediate assistance. DOD officials claimed they received a workable request for assistance from the U.S. Capitol Police at approximately 2.30 p.m., the request was presented to the Acting Secretary of Defense and approved at approximately 3 p.m. For the next 90 minutes, DOD officials ordered D.C. National Guard personnel to return to the armory, obtain necessary gear, and prepare for deployment as leaders quickly prepared a mission plan. Miscommunication and confusion during response preparations demonstrated by conflicting records about who authorized deployment and at what time, contributed to the delayed deployment. D.C. National Guard began arriving at the Capitol complex at 5.20 p.m., nearly three hours after DOD received U.S. Capitol Police's request for assistance and more than four hours after the barriers at the Capitol were first breached. The committee's recommendations. Based on the findings of the investigation, the committees identified a number of recommendations to address the intelligence and security failures leading up to and on January 6. Recommendations specific to the Capitol complex include empowering the U.S. Capitol Police Chief to request assistance from the D.C. National Guard in emergency situations, and passing legislation to clarify the statutes governing requests for assistance 
from executive agencies and departments in non-emergency situations. To address the preparedness of the U.S. Capitol Police, the committees recommend improvements to training, equipment, intelligence collection, and operational planning. The committees further recommend intelligence agencies review and evaluate criteria for issuing and communicating intelligence assessments and the establishment of standing, concept of operation scenarios and contingency plans to improve Department of Defense and D.C. National Guard response to civil disturbance and terrorism incidents. These scenarios and plans should detail what level of DOD or D.C. National Guard assistance may be required, what equipment would be needed for responding personnel, and the plan for command and control during the response. The Committee's Investigation Two days after the January 6th attack, the Senate Committee on Rules and Administration and Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee announced a joint bipartisan oversight investigation to examine the intelligence and security failures that led to the attack. On February 23, 2021, the committees held the first public oversight hearing on the attack. The hearing, entitled Examining the January 6 Attack on the U.S. Capitol, featured testimony from the U.S. Capitol Police Chief, House Sergeant-at-Arms, and Senate Sergeant-at-Arms in charge on January 6. The committees also heard testimony from the acting chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. One week later, on March 3, 2021, the committees held a second oversight hearing, which included witnesses from DOD, D.C. National Guard, FBI, and DHS. As part of their investigation, the committees reviewed thousands of documents. The committees also received written statements from more than 50 U.S. Capitol Police officers about their experiences. In addition, the committees interviewed numerous current and former officials from U.S. Capitol Police, Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, House Sergeant-at-Arms, Architect of the Capitol, FBI, DHS, Metropolitan Police Department, DOD, and D.C. National Guard. Most entities cooperated with the committee's requests. There were notable exceptions, however. The Department of Justice and DHS have yet to fully comply with the committee's requests for information. The Office of the House of Representatives Sergeant-at-Arms did not comply with the committee's information requests, and a U.S. Capitol Police Deputy Chief of Police declined to be interviewed by the committees. The committees will continue to pursue responses from those who have failed to fully comply. The oversight of events related to January 6, including intelligence and security failures, will continue. End of Section 0. End of the Executive Summary.